Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Why don't you have a seat? You said we needed to talk. Tell me, why did you kill Kimor? You know it's not our place to pass sentence, one of the crimes of others. He was to be punished in accordance with the laws. And just what laws do you think would have punished him? The same laws that failed to punish for Go? Give me a break. Yuri, you... The laws have always been the tools of whoever happens to hold all the chips. Just saying that doesn't make it right for individuals to judge right from wrong, or for you to operate on your own private court of law. If the laws are at fault, then fixing those laws comes first. It's for that very reason that I'm still with the Imperial Knights. But you can't deny that lives were saved because those bastards were put down. You'd rather tell those people, Sorry, you have to die today. I promise we'll change things soon. That's not what I'm saying at all. They're out there, you know. People so bad, they'll just go on hurting others. What can the average person do but be victimized by people like that? You know it was the same way with our people in the lower quarter. Even so, Yuri, what you're doing isn't right. Do you intend to rain your justice down on all the villains of the world? That's the behavior of a common criminal. I recognize it for what it is, and I've made my choices. The name of the game this week is Tales of Vesperia, the world of Terica Lumeres, the home of the Entelikea, and the Adafagos. This time I'm joined by Headmaster of IP, Mr. Alex O'Neill. How's it going, Alex? Hi, Mr. Professor RPG Scout White. It is a pleasure to be here. Oh, huh? glad to have you, glad to have you. Like, this is one of the games that solidified, like, started. The foundation our of our relationship, our yeah. Like, the reason I am here, partly, well, a good portion is because of Tales, and Tales, Tales of Vesperia specifically. Yeah. This is this is our bonding our bonding card. I love it. It's very it dear is. to me. It's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But to get the uh, to get the guests or uh, to give our viewers a bit of an idea of when we're uh, to give our listeners basically back in the headspace of when this game came out. This game originally came out on the Xbox 360 in Japan on August 7th, 2008. In North America, August 26th, 2008. In Europe, June 26th, 2009. And in Australia, June 25th. This was back on the 360. The PS3 version that we never actually got came out in Japan on September 17th of 2009. And the definitive edition that added all those things we missed from the PlayStation 3 version was localized worldwide January 11th, 2009, this year. 2019. Wow. Wow. We... Ten it years. took a long time. 11, yeah, 11 years. Yeah. Almost. 11 years for us, 10 years for, like, that version from that version coming out, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Other games that came out the year uh, in 2008 when this came out in the North Americas. 
Mass Effect, the first Mass Effect came out. Valkyria Chronicles, Mario Kart Wii, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII, Smash Brothers Brawl. Okay. Shout out to and just Smash as, Brothers Brawl. <laughs> as an aside, we are recording this the day after the hero from Dragon Quest was released in Smash Ultimate. Yeah, like we didn't even know what Smash Brothers could be at this yeah. time. We had no idea the potential and how nuts and fan servicey smash brothers would get mm-hmm. crazy yeah. disgaea 3 came out advanced wars days of ruin metal gear solid 4 momentous momentous oh, so good so good 2008 was a double tales year we got also tales of symphonia dawn of the new world never played this game bit of a dis- divisive title <laughs> yeah. in the in the tales probably series. more of a downer in the series yeah yeah a l- little bit um, what wasn't divisive, though, was Persona 4 came out the on the PlayStation version, 2. Yeah. Uh, the original Craziness. version that I played, too. I played uh, the yeah. OG Persona 4 before Golden. Good man. Good man. Mm-hmm. Two Human came out. I actually really liked Two Human, so... I cool. uh, did an interview with Dennis Dyack about the One Console Future on this website like seven years ago. So there you go. That's oh, my man. relationship with the two human. <laughs> <laughs> and Infinite Undiscovery came out, which I think is a rather uh, underrated RP- action RPG. I thought it was pretty good. But that was just a handful of the games and RPGs that came out the same year, just to kind of give you listeners uh, an idea of the headspace. Where were you in 2008? What were you playing? What were you doing? Think I about was, it. Yeah, t- tell me, Scott. Where where were you? Because I feel like it's going to be very different from yeah. me. I was two years. I was a year and a half into uh, college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was studying studio art with a focus on drawing. I was taking stage combat. Little known fact, I am a certified stage combatant in hand-to-hand rapier dagger and broadsword. That's fucking rad. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I can choreograph fight scenes. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> this is such a great fun fact to learn on the first yeah, episode of this podcast. It's great. It was a good class. I got to wake up early two days a week. It was a Monday, Wednesday class. We are absolutely um, rolling this into some kind of extra life, some kind of in person yeah, bit to, in the future. Uh, absolutely. Go to class, stretch a little bit in the morning, and then uh, pretend to. Th- be thrown through windows and have sword fights and all sorts of good stuff. Scott White, the stuntman yeah. of IP. <laughs> it's true. Also, a little known fact, before I transferred to Michigan State, where I ended up getting my degree from, I was actually approached about being a stunt, uh, like a stunt double for a performance that was going on at the school I was doing. I was going to be a, a pirate princess, actually. Hell yes. Yeah. I was going to have to be thrown off, uh, off of off of boat. That sounds like fun, actually. Yeah, it was it was going to be cool. I wanted to do it, but the performance was going to be after I had moved up to Michigan State, so I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to fulfill my destiny of being a pirate princess. Damn it! One day that that'll One be day. what the uh, IP live action One day will be. Is I will be a pirate princess. pirate princess who is like a professional rapier combatantist. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, Rapier Dagger is where it's at. In 2008, for Super Smash Brothers Brawl, which for me, in a lot of ways, it's f- funny. That game is the reason like Irrational Passions exists. Like 
I got into reading about video games because of the like day-to-day coverage for that game. Uh, so it was certainly like a, a pivoting Smashboards, right? Yeah. Is that I where was, you... I was on Smashboards for sure. I was mostly in the GameFAQs forums because I'm scum. <laughs> oh, I, I, I still have my game FAQs. So you pronounce it GameFAQs and not Game FAQs. Yes, I, feel I, like... I, I know many that pronounce it Game FAQs, though. I do too. Like I'm usually game facts. I'm game facts. But sometimes I'll I'll I'll, I'll slip into game FAQs. But uh, yeah, oh, I, I never I never many memories of that FAQs. site. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and my brothers were like, oh, we got to get game facts. And then my brothers would scold me growing up because I would overuse game facts. They're like, you gotta you gotta figure it out on your own. Uh, and then and then like it would turn into them asking brothers. me for help uh, to figure out puzzles because I was the best at figuring <laughs> them out after that. Um, but yeah, I, like, I threw a party, uh, with my friend, still best friend to this day, Scott Guthier, host of Rational Patches Podcast, um, at my dad's house, like a Super Smash Brothers Brawl launch party, uh, like, mm-hmm. me, Scott, and six of our friends, like, stayed up till 5am unlocking characters and playing Subspace yeah. Emissary. It's truly, like, one of the best launches of my life. I was in my sophomore mm-hmm. year of high school. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, different spot, and I, I don't, I don't know if you ended up playing. I don't know when you played Tales of Vesperia. If you played, oh, I, I had a day and date. Okay, I like didn't... I picked it up from my local GameStop. Because uh, at that point, like I was, I was pretty deep you, into yeah, Tales probably, fandom. Yeah, into um, it. I like, I, I wasn't there. Like I played Symphonia, uh, and in two thousand nine, when I was like, I got really sick, and I was kind of like homeschooled for a little while. Uh, I ended up game flying tales of vesperia and that's how i played it oh, okay. i played that and uh persona 3 fez and then persona 4 all in the same year um it was like heavy rpg year for it you. was an awakening let's say <laughs> if well <laughs> i you know i had like a, i have an illness that when i was in high school i was like sleeping for 14 hours a day and was was in bed all day pretty much so mm-hmm. it was plenty of jrpg time and jrpg is like saved my life oh my goodness especially oh, persona perfect. 3 uh, but Tales of Vesperia is definitely part of that too, for sure, for sure. I just remembered briefly before we well, we are very shortly uh, going to be actually talking about Tales of Vesperia. But you talking about Smash Brothers? Mm-hmm. I was working at a family video at the time, and we got Smash Brothers early, oh. so we could prep it. So I had made plans to have like a big Smash Brothers brawl party. So like the few days I had it early, I just ran through Subspace um, unlocking everything yeah so that when people came over for the smash party i had everyone unlocked that's that's so kind i like cool. the thing i would do like because i'm maybe because i'm dumb is i like to unlock everything with everybody mm-hmm. um but you, what you did was way kinder that's like <laughs> that's like an og friend you know what i mean like Oh man, we have everything already. Damn, dude, how how late did you stay up yeah. to? Oh, I haven't slept yet. <laughs> Sleep? What's that? Sleep I actually what? did the same thing for Smash Ultimate too. But, yeah, I remember uh, this. That for was... for another day. Yeah, for another day. That's... But yes, Tales of Vesperia, the tale of Yuri and crew as they save the world from hard to pronounce pronouns. <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> which really could be applied to any RPG. I feel. 
Um, yeah, but that's the, part of the charm. I feel the Tales series definitely yeah has been some of the biggest culprit of like bad jargon in video games. Yeah, <laughs> but they they pull some really random stuff. Stuff like this one, Entelakea, Adafagos. I think my favorite is still. I believe it's from Grace's the Ganungagop. Oh yeah, the Ganungagop. Oh my god. <laughs> I just imagine the voice actors when they're pronouncing all these strange words and they have to do it very convincingly and passionately it's like we must unite otherwise the autophagos will absorb all the entelechaea into the (laughs) it's so like there is a line yeah you can tell too, like Tales of Berseria has a different producer because they're like "Uh, we're not gonna do this (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, but, it's charming though in its own way. It is, it is, and Vesperia has best boy repeat, you know. Yeah, facts. Best boy repeat. So, what was, what's your favorite moment or kind of like part of Tales of Vesperia? Like, what really, when you think of Tales of Vesperia, what comes to mind? Uh, I mean, like it's it's hard to to pinpoint it. I guess, like in a lot of ways, I do think about the ending. Uh. I don't know how into spoilers we're going to get. I feel like... We're, we can do spoilers. I'm, there'll be a spoiler tag at the beginning. So. Like, I'll, I'll say, like, I'll, I'll, I'll ease into it for anyone listening who's like, oh, I don't know this game and I want to get into it. Like, Because uh, I don't want to necessarily ruin it for you. Oh, yeah. I think the journey of Tales of Vesperia is always going to be great, no matter what you do. It's You're never going to be able to hurt that journey. I think it is just... Mm-hmm. It, it is such a trip. Um, but like, I think the ending kind of sequence where with everyone coming together, uh, I think like when I replayed it this year with the definitive edition, all that, and like I a hundred, hundred percent of as much as I could, uh, there was just a lot more to appreciate. So it's, it's, it's just more moments that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, some of my favorites, like some of the most emotional moments for me, uh, are like when, uh, Yuri is fighting Estelle on top of the Zaphius, the capital. Yeah. Uh, and it's like... When she's possessed. When she's like, yeah, under con- Alexei's control and and Yuri's like, I'll set you free. It's like very emotional for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's, a, it's also like such a great trip for his character arc. Uh, and I, I was talking to my friend Brain about this relatively recently because he played it for the first time uh, this year. But like him, like killing all these people and and taking the the weight and the mm-hmm. guilt only on for himself and and kind of feeling as though he's he's freeing his friends from that burden and the moment where he's ready to kind of go too far and do that with Estelle like uh like he comes back to something new like he finds a new way to solve the problem uh mm-hmm. and and then his friends are there to support him and like that's like this big ch- character change for him like he doesn't go lone wolf really after that point um, so I think like as like a big turning point for Yuri, who's like one of my favorite characters just of any video game. Uh, oh yeah, it, like that moment for him and and like all the team kind of coming together and realizing like that they're they're in this together uh, is is definitely a highlight. I've got a lot though. It's oh yeah, there's <laughs> there's a say. lot of places for for highlights here. That's like a specific one in case like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love many parts of this game and I, I often talk about the same parts over and over again. That's one that I don't talk about a lot and it's very good. Yeah. For me, for stars, I have to say Duke is probably one of my favorite 
like I can't even consider him an antagonist. Yeah, he's such a good anti-hero. Like he is like the bad yeah. guy of the game, but like he's most for most of the game your ally, like helping yeah. you out and everything. And it was never a corny plot twist. I felt when you did have to fight him. Yeah, it he- wasn't like oh, I've been playing you the whole time. Yeah, no, it was just it was two groups with opposing views trying to in essence, accomplish the same thing, kind of the saving the world and getting rid of the Adafagos and whatnot and just approaching it from two very different ways. Um, but I always felt like there was that respect there, especially between Duke and Yuri. Yes. That very few other RPGs that I can think of anyway have done or have done as well. As Tales of Vesperia. Yeah, it's it's one of the sense like I like the closest relationship to an antagonist that I can think of is actually like uh or like the closest like I guess concept for an antagonist I can think of is Tales of Zillia. Uh which goes for a similar thing, but Yeah. And I think like in that game the the kind of opposing opinion is I think a lot more understandable and I appreciate it a lot more. Uh, and I, I see where they're coming from a lot more, and I see why this conflict yeah. has to happen a lot more than Tales of Vesperia. But on the flip side, I don't think they established a good enough relationship between the two main characters and the antagonist of that game. Um, yeah. I think he just kind of does show up at the end. is like, I'm going to be the big bad. Um, and Duke, I think you you really see him a lot throughout this game. Um, and there's a lot of optional scenes that are fully voiced, uh, where you can find him in the world and, and kind of mm-hmm. just get a little bit more of an idea of what he's been doing while he's been around you. Because he's been on his own journey looking for his own yeah. kind of answers. Yeah. It's really good. Another thing is, a lot of times in RPGs, uh, a trope I would say that is fairly prevalent is kind of the whole friendship and love will save everything. Mm-hmm. Like when in doubt just love your friends kind of thing yeah where i guess in the end it kind of resorts a bit to that but you're touching on your point that you made how yuri murdered people to spare his friends like that burden and that guilt is something also that is a very interesting dynamic in kind of twist on things that i can't that's also another one of those things that I can't picture in a lot of other RPGs. Yeah. And I really liked it. It grounded Yuri, I felt. It, he felt very mature. He didn't feel like a teenager going out to save the world. It, he felt like he'd been through things. He's gone down this path. He'll see it through to the end. Like Come hell or high water. Yeah, I think it, 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 a lot of that comes from how they portray that character, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like the way he's written, obviously the way he's performed. Troy Baker does just a top to bottom incredible job in the English version. Oh yeah, um, and like there, there's just a lot of subtlety to him. Like I think like especially for like he he is like your storybook JRPG villain, right? In a lot of ways, he's like mm-hmm. all dressed in black. He has long black hair. Uh, he he's he's very standoffish at first, right? Like he seems like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and, and he's very, he seems like kind of a lone wolf. And obviously we learned that none of those things turn out to really be true. Like he's very 
He's very kind. He's very sweet. Uh, he loves to cook. He likes people, and he makes a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. But like, they they play on that expectation and that stereotype one, which already like I think elevates this in a way. They're like really trying to say something about kind of like the own their own like the tropes JRPGs themselves have already made. Yeah. Um, and instead of like getting angry in situations, I feel like Yuri is like he he will get very visibly upset and typically walk away or say something that he'll regret. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just a way more complicated way to play any character. And I think like some of the best cases in writing in media, like do stuff like that and, and make this character like internalize his pain and, and kind of like he gets upset and he get, he takes it out on himself instead of other people. Like he gets frustrated that like, Oh, it's like with Kumor and Rago Mm -hmm. and, things like that he gets frustrated that the laws just don't apply to these people in a lot in a lot of ways they can just get away and it's very real world yeah in a lot of ways he's like a batman figure in this world right oh yeah uh like just in style appearance and like how he intimidates his enemies but like also just you know i think in his ideals and his mentality uh, obviously, he kills people, <laughs> but uh, that's like in this world, in this kind of fantasy medieval world. I, I think that's a little bit easier to buy. Yeah, uh, it's cool. Like, I there's really no JRPG protagonist like him. I think. I I I would I would agree to that. Yeah, he's he he has the perfect mix, and I I will attribute a lot of this to Troy Baker's performance of the character. He has that perfect balance of kind of lightheartedness when he, like, a lot of the times, and he jokes around, but when he has to get serious, like, he gets serious. Yeah. It never feels forced or, like, out of character Yeah, for him when he does have to do, like, when he murders people and kind of enacts his own brand of justice and, like, with dealing with Estelle, like, that we mentioned earlier... It never feels out of place for the character. Yeah. That even though he does joke around, that he does laugh and say random things with uh, with the other party members, he's always still serious and taking everything he's doing seriously. Yeah. Like, he, he's not, like, <laughs> like, no fun. He's, like, he could yeah. have fun. He's open and stuff. But, like, when... when he's the- not silent and brooding. Like, he's not a brooding protagonist yeah he like he he just does what he wants to do right like yeah. that's part of why i love him is like he like bottles things up and he takes things out on himself but like also he's mm-hmm. like i'm just gonna get things done like i'm, I'm gonna move yeah. the, the the ticker forward and i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure this shit doesn't happen again yeah uh and i like i i like his decisiveness like obviously he's perfect to contrast with flynn who's like also a really great character that in the definitive edition of this game, we get to spend a lot more time with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Yuri as a whole, like carries this game in such a way, like his relationship with all the party members is like unique to that character. Like, like kind of like fatherly brotherly to Carol, like son, like to, to Raven brother, like to Flynn, uh, like intimate to Estelle uh, and like, like understanding it in a really cool, meaningful way to Rita. And then like, obviously a very, like tender camaraderie to to judith uh and i think patty as well like i think like they 
they create like an actual different relationship with Yuri and all the other characters like that is unique to them as opposed yeah. to it being kind of cookie pe- cookie cutter and, and feeling like similar to, to other things. And that goes a long way to making this very long game feel interesting all the way through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Yuri's great. <laughs> like I, oh. we could probably talk about this for the. We entire could have an episode. entire episode where we dive into Yuri and like how complicated like, he is and like the little things. Yeah, totally. Go into how the design, like the design of both Yuri and Flynn, and Flynn yeah, like, are complement each other so well. Yes. Like yin and Yang from the full-on design, how there's like sunburst patterns on Flynn's outfit, but there's like dark, there's dark moons stripes and, and stuff and moons and, on, on Yuri's and yeah. with. Yeah, it's oh, it's so good, so good. Like, it like the and the thing is, like when I first played the game, right, and I I've played it multiple times because I'm an insane mm-hmm. person, but like I think there's enough there just visually as a whole that you might not even notice that and still love how this game looks. But oh, hundred percent. When you start, like, I didn't peeling back those layers, it just gets deeper yeah. and deeper. Well, the kind of how they play off the character designs themselves i really didn't pick up on until i replayed it again last year when i replayed the entire tales series and it's like Mm -hmm. what fucking geniuses that those character designers are yeah that they played off of their throughout the entire game it's this yin yang balance between yuri and flynn and their personalities and their decisions and their like ideals and their understanding of the government and stuff like that yeah and it went all the way down even into the clothes they wore yeah and how they looked i was i was blown away and how they interact with characters too like the the funny thing that i notice in the definitive edition which is like Mm -hmm. phenomenal is like getting to see flynn's relationship with some of these other characters like I didn't know how Flynn and Judy would talk. Like that is just a thing mm-hmm. that doesn't really happen in the standard version of the game. Yeah. Uh, but like they have a camaraderie in a way that you wouldn't expect because like they're both soldiers and, and they're, they're both tender and they both have a soft spot for Yuri. Like there's so many interesting like conversations that those two characters have. And it like seeing how Flynn talks to people and then seeing how Yuri talks to people is like, mm-hmm. It's excellent, and it's just another layer of insight into like how they built these two characters as basically polar opposites that complement each other so well. So good, so good, so good. But another aspect that we haven't touched on yet that feel that I think feels really good and has aged really well: the combat. Yes, peak uh, tales combat, I would say. Yes. Uh, not the best that they've ever done, but like this is like of the original tales, like Tales yes. of Symphonia, Tales of the Abyss. Like if you've played one of those, this is like mm-hmm. that, and it's the best it has ever and will ever be. I think it is a great jumping off point. Yeah, it is so good. It feels so good. Like it's and the thing is, it feels really slow at the beginning, and it is, but like it very very gradually gets more and more complicated to the point where you're doing like 200 plus combos by the end of the game oh yeah uh and it just feels awesome and you at that point have the choice of like these nine different characters that all play differently Mm Hmm. and that the fact that you can play with your friends yeah too (laughs) i mean that but like you were saying it I do wish it kind of picked up pace a, a bit earlier yeah. in terms of what you could do. Because um, I know we've talked in our Irrational Passions kind of 
uh, chat rooms and whatnot with others because a couple of us, uh, a couple of the other IP staff have been, uh, after Alex and I's insistence and praise of this game, have decided they want to pick it up and try it. And pretty much the biggest complaint or issue people are having is the is the combat and how it's a bit basic mm-hmm. at the beginning but it's oh, it's still so good it, and it's just so it's so fluid the animations are so fluid and it just feels good to control it's it's one of those things like too like with time like i've just appreciated the nuance of it yeah. like for example like a lot of moves can cancel into other moves some moves were designed specifically to cancel into other special moves right oh yeah uh, like these two moves were coupled together intentionally. Some moves, like the more you use them, the bigger the window that you have to cancel them into another move mm-hmm. is. Like you become better at using that move. Like Yuri, let's say you're playing as Yuri, gets better at using that move, so now he can get out of that move faster into something else. Like stuff like yeah. little nuances like that. Uh, or like there are some attacks that do like five really quick hits, but if you've used it that move 500 times now it does 15 really quick hits it's like mm-hmm. wow that's really weird and specific and crazy it's like i know but that's the kind of like stuff you're unfolding and discovering as you grind for hours and hours in the combat if you want to uh and, it, and it really, it's really rewarding. A, it's incredibly rewarding and it rewards trial and error and experimentation yeah and and like it's- I, I like that you can find like your set of four special moves or eight special moves or whatever and kind of stick to it. And, and that'll mm-hmm. do you good through the rest of the game. If that's how you like to play that character, you know? Yeah. Uh, so who was your main party? Like when you played through or did you pretty, did you not have a set party you used? I'm definitely one of the, the people that like, I like to switch my party out constantly. Like, Especially with this game, because I love all the characters so much. And now, like, in the Definitive Edition, it's just mm-hmm. you have nine people. It's out of control. You have more than two full teams, pretty much. Um, and it was cool, too, because, like, I think Flynn is a little bit easier for me to play. Uh, he's a little mm-hmm. bit more my speed, so I could actually play another character more regularly instead of just only playing Yuri. So I'm swapping out full teams and trying to get everybody in there. Uh, I think... Because it's nice in the menu, it shows you your percentages. Uh, mm-hmm. It might be fun to maybe pull this up later, just so people can see my game time in this. Um, but uh, I do it. It would probably be like Judy is probably the one I would have in my party the most, most of the time. Like Judy mm-hmm. and Yuri, uh, and then Estelle a lot because I like a healer, uh, and mm-hmm. then Flynn a lot because like that's just such a great. That's such a great team right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus, you have the whole special moves between Yuri and Flynn and all that good stuff. Like the Mystic Arts. Yeah. I, I never... I've not... I've yet to do the, the Mystic Art with Yuri and Flynn. Maybe someday. But that's... Extra like- life, dude. We'll have a Tales of, Vesperia, Tales of Vesperia block where we'll turn off all the other players in the uh the party and it's just you and me going to town as yuri and flynn yeah and just hanging out yeah doing fun stuff and dudes maybe do tournament on like extra hard or something oh yeah the turn i'll say like the tournament stuff in this game is buck wild yeah yeah uh, uh i don't know if you like have sat down and done it in the definitive edition but not in the definitive i haven't uh like the team on team battles and stuff that they added in like the bonus content is buck wild excellent 
it's out of control and like there's 28 people on screen and they're all like fully named mm-hmm. characters and everything and it's just crazy I love it <laughs> excellent so good so good um, um I, any like I, I'm trying to think of like the major the major gameplay strokes of this game like I feel like we've talked a lot about so we talked about Yuri I liked how the skill system was handled, how things were on equipment. It was very Final Fantasy IX-ish. I appreciated that, um, and how each weapon had more skills you could learn, and then once you're mastered them, you could equip them. Yeah, that's absolutely like my favorite. I, I that is like my favorite way to do skills in JRPGs. I think at this mm-hmm. point, uh, like I fully decided. A couple of other games have done it. Like I, I don't know if I can name them off the top of my head, but. Uh, I've definitely played other games that have just done this exact system. I think it just works so well. It's super elegant. Uh, it, yeah. It makes sense. Like, And, and the cool thing is, uh, one of the, the tips that I, I had later, and, and I'll just mention it briefly here, is like it, getting those skills is not necessarily based on like beating tougher enemies or whatnot. It's just like killing enemies, right? So like you can grind mm-hmm. on very weak enemies really, really quickly and just get yeah. a bunch of weapon skills pretty fast. And that, you know, that's just not something. That's something you pick up on oh, yeah. <laughs> as you uh, play a sickening amount of, of time in this game. Uh, I can give you my party member stats now if you're curious. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's hear them. Uh, usage for Yuri is 96%, which is which makes sense. There's, yeah. There's like twice in the game now that they make you not use him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Estelle is 61%, so she's the highest. Uh, this is actually more even than I thought. Uh, Carol is 26%. Rita is 39%. Uh, Raven okay. is 34%. Uh, Judith is 41%. Uh, Repeat, 34%. Flynn, 31%. And Patty, 26%. Oh, nice. So Carol and Patty are my two lowest usages. You don't like little kids. I get it. I hate, I get I hate it. the kids. Okay, now, you I don't hate know, kids. <laughs> that's absolutely not it. I, don't, I didn't use Carol a lot <laughs> in my replay because i use them a lot when i played them played tales of Vesperia regular ass edition last mm-hmm. year for the 20th time uh but yeah that's uh and i've uh t- max gal or total gal uses uh, over five million so <laughs> if you just want to know where i'm at cool. uh so yeah i'm curious how much grade you have uh a lot probably at this uh. point Oh, with that many playthroughs, yeah. Uh, this is just one playthrough, but it's just accumulated. <laughs> I've, I've done everything <laughs> that is possible to do in one playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it is fun to do everything in this game. I think. I agree. What Tales games, especially uh, Vesperia in particular, is known for their side content, like their side quests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are there any side quests that particularly stood? stood out to you or are memorable to you uh there's definitely a good amount in in vesperia like uh, i i like that every character has like a kind of ultimate weapon side quest um mm-hmm. and it's pretty subtle too like they, they're all the side quests in this game are ex- exceptionally difficult to find uh yeah and i have like a solution for that there's a guide that i use every time i play it it's like very non-specific non-spoilery or it's it's very specific non-spoilery uh, and it'll just tell you who to talk to in town to, like, advance certain side quests. Uh, and 
I like the the ones for Patty that they added with the Definitive Edition are really great because they give you this kind of very heartwarming ending uh, to that character. Um, mm-hmm. I my favorite side quest probably like mechanically, and it's not even really a side quest. It's just kind of a thing that happens throughout the game is doing all the secret missions and all the boss fights. Um, Man, some of those fucking secret missions. Oh boy, they'll break you. They break you yeah right they apart. they hurt. They hurt. I will have to say, I give credit to the Definitive Edition, mm-hmm. since towards the end you can go to an island and just pay to redo specific uh, special missions, mm-hmm. and it's not like you have to replay the game. Yeah, but it's still like, it's not as convenient, because you have to like get all these coins there to, to replay a single fight or whatnot, so... Uh, True, but like for me, just to get like an, a trophy or an achievement, I would just save before I spend it, complete the mission, yeah. and then reload. Yeah, true. I like so I like doing it for the 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 kind of the end of the side quest is, which is after you beat the game and reload your complete save, you can go get a a special title for doing all of them. I like there's so much fun. I think per boss mm-hmm. fight, and there's such a specific challenge. I do not play the game without like doing all of yeah. them like a crazy <laughs> like a psychopath uh mm-hmm. like a true psychopath but i like that one's really good uh there's one with um the the two kids that uh the super creepy guy was uh helping raise uh Q-more? not Q-more. uh the guy with the german accent i don't remember his name you know, with the the spiky. Oh, um, the guild. Yeah, the. Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, Ye- I remember Jaeger. him. Jaeger's his Jaeger. Jaeger. As soon as you it. said "yeah," I remembered Jaeger. <laughs> uh, Jaeger, and like, so he's like has like kind of a background side quest that ties into Raven's backstory. It's very interesting. Um, but you find out he's been paying money to this orphanage, uh, that he was actually raised in. Uh, and these two, these two like underlings, Gauche and, and mm-hmm. Drought, uh, like are from this orphanage and, and have been taken care of. And they'll challenge you uh, after you kill Jaeger if you seek them out. And then you can go fight them. They're like a a special extra boss hmm. that's really cool. It's one of the many many extra bosses in this game that are super super rad. Like in the definitive edition, you can go fight Clint, who is the uh, leader of the Hunting Blades. Uh-huh. With a huge sword, who you just can't yeah. fight in the original game <laughs> for no good yeah, reason. Yeah, you you really couldn't. You that can't was... fight Don Whitehorse in the original game either. You can in the Definitive Edition. Shout out to the Don too, and kind of the expansion of the story of the guild, mm-hmm. like Nordopolica. Learning and, uh, like where the guilds came from, all those places. Mm-hmm. why they had to come up, and 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 kind of like their thought process in making that as a government that's going to have to yeah. last in this world is really cool. Mm-hmm. And they put a lot of thought into it. It's clear, like, there's just so much thought and care into the definitive edition of this. It's very much like Persona 4 Golden to Persona 4. Like, everything here makes mm-hmm. sense. And, like, Patty is there to flesh out the world and flesh out the guilds and also tie back into, like, the whole main quest. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. One thing I... And we've talked we actually this is the second time alex and i have actually sat down and talked about tales of vesperia first time was our kind of pseudo review discussion for tales of vesperia that you can find on youtube.com slash irrational passions mm-hmm. if you are so inclined but 
with the definitive edition, the bouncing back and forth between voice actors. Oh, hurts my heart. Still hurts me. It hurts. Still me. hurts. I, you know, the- I'm willing to bite the bullet. It's one of those things where they were kind enough to to dig up this ten year old game and put it out and relocalize it. So it's like, all right, I'll I'll deal with it. It's fine, but it is yeah. a bummer. <laughs> it's a real. I bummer. bought two copies of it. Yep. Day one for PS4 and Switch. I I want to applaud Bandai for Bandai Namco for bringing it out. I'm super glad we got it and all the stuff. I'm glad we got it on PS4 and Switch and Xbox and PC. Everything perfect. But but it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Mostly because especially like, because we 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 met Troy Baker and Nolan North. Yeah. Uh, after having a few drinks at Pax uh, Pax East yeah, this, this, this right. previous year, I was like, dude. Thank you. <laughs> and I was like, and please. We're thank so sorry. We're so sorry. And thank you. And he like he knows that character too. Like yeah. he remembers that that uh, like that character and doing that that role. So like I think you know it's a bummer that he he isn't there. Oh yeah. Obviously, those are impossible shoes to fill too. Uh, so uh, I'm. Don't even know his name. The guy who fills in for Troy Baker's new lines. Uh, in yeah, he was good too. It was just I. He did a good had, job. I wish he would. They would have just done all of him. Yeah, like just completely redub Yuri. Or just get Baker back. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that they they just kind of put somebody else there. Um, but oh well. It is what it is. At you least you always we got just it. play it in Japanese and not notice the it's difference because it's all and the not same. notice. <laughs> but be sure to tweet uh troy baker and thank him for his great job if you approved it uh if you liked his performance as well yeah so he brings a lot because really game. i imagine this is probably one of his first big roles yeah his first breaker because this was before uncharted it's before uh final fantasy 13 as well which was oh yeah i would say like his big break out role like was snow in that game but that was like the year after this so yeah but shout out thank you troy baker you, if troy you baker. ever listen to this this is a, Thanks. You, you killed it. You bring Yuri to life. You are Yuri to me. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Tales of Vesperia. Um, other hmm. other favorite party members? Do you have a particular favorite? Ooh, for my party, I in the original version, I would always do Yuri. Um, usually repeat because I just I like Knife Boy. <laughs> um, and then Judith, Estelle, or Rita. I would switch those out. Estelle would pro- usually always be in the party, like you said, for the healer. But Judith and uh, Rita would swap out depending on the enemy, like the boss I was facing. If it, if he was weaker against physical or against arts, it was it was nice to get strong enough in this game that I didn't need to have a healer in my party at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, in this most recent playthrough, I'm like level one ten with everybody, just for point of reference. Okay. Uh, also shout out to tails in general for a lot of their entries having the max level be like 250 200 is <laughs> it's so just such a random no, number but so props nuts. i like no it. props good. for me i will not give props for that's too much <laughs> but i guess um going out on a limb i uh as far as like favorite like other party characters like uh i love judith obviously mm-hmm. i think like the the judith story hot lady hot badass <laughs> dragon rider lady not just like hot lady like not like no cool that she's girl. a badass like she i love her whole arc with um hunting down the the stuffs i'm i'm blanking the hermes on the name. Blastia. 
The Blastia, that's right. Just hunting down the Blastia and her reasoning behind that. and. But again, like... Uh, the Curtia people. And... Like, Judith comes into the picture, right? You don't even know it's her, right? You see her in the yeah. opening cutscene, but this character coming in, it's just like destroy destroying these blastia as the dragon rider you don't know yeah. them you assume it's a man of course because we're all biased pulling a metroid uh yeah and then of course when yuri teams up with her and you land on the gas frost you finally meet the last major party member that you haven't met yet at that point in the game mm-hmm. uh it and it's like judith and she's obviously very attractive elf lady like kind of this stereotype, but like everything you know about her already leading into meeting her, looking like mm-hmm. that, c- is contradicting what you see in front of you. Like this is a oh, yeah. she's a badass. Like she has clearly been on her own for a very long time, and she is very good. At hey, she had Baul. Yeah, but like don't you forget Baul. I mean, like not without a, a person. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. So like I I I love how they set up her character, and then obviously learning that like. She's going around destroying these Blastia that her father created, like, mm-hmm. which is like a thing you learn through side quests and and stuff. Like, Rita and her's relationship, which is like again another one of the most unique relationships. A in the great game. developing arc. Yeah, because yeah. they hate each other at the beginning. Or Rita hates Judith, and Judith kind of is indifferent to Rita because she was destroyed. I love Judith's I don't give a fuck kind of whatever attitude yeah, for a lot of great. things. <laughs> it's so good. She's such a good character, and I in. Earlier when I, she is so much more than just easy on the eyes. Like, she is such a strong female character. Mm-hmm. A great personality, great development throughout the story. It's it's cool, because, like, again, they, so set, good. they set up the Dragon Rider as, like, this, this mm-hmm. kind of badass from somewhere else. And then they show you this beautiful woman to, like, surprise you and be like, yeah, I bet you didn't think this person was this. And then they show you the struggle that she's been through and, like, the, the kind of feeling of responsibility she has for the world ending because her father made these blastia. Uh, and then you think about that and this really young woman who is like from a race that typically yeah. live very long, uh, kind of having to deal with all of this stuff. It's, it's, she's a very great character uh, that they, mm-hmm. they play your expectations on time and time again in the best way. Completely agree. Um, another really strong thing is, oh gosh, we we could literally keep just gushing <laughs> the cast on of and this on. This game is great. We haven't we haven't touched on the whole backstory of the Entelechea. We haven't touched on the whole Estelle being the poison of the world and that whole thing and just oh all that craziness, which is all. Sorry about the dog, by the way. <laughs> so, um, Suki's hungry for, for Suki is barking at probably another dog outside. Who knows? Suki's Suki is my Shiba Inu. She's a black and tan Shiba Inu, and um, she's kind of going ape shit right now for whatever reason. Mailman. But <laughs> but yes, uh, there's so much to talk about. Like we could honestly do a part two of this Vesperia discussion. Yeah. Um. But the the Estelle thing and the whole interaction between her and the other Entelechea, like especially like Pharaoh and how that evolves and how she tries to help, but then she ha- makes um oh I'm blank what Nordopolica's uh, the Entelechea oh, uh, Bellius Bellius how her trying to help kind of makes Bellius go crazy and. Yeah. 
Uh, that was a sad thing. That like was that she's like a poison. Yeah, like Estelle's arc in this game is great too. Like, but yeah, oh yeah. How are, how like you know you think about like Tales of Symphony is like the the kind of third act quest of like going and collecting all the spirits, and then this is a very way way different interpretation of a similar quest of like mm-hmm. Estelle's like going to the desert because maybe Pharaoh is there, and then like going through all these trials only to get like kind of a hinted message at Pharaoh only mm-hmm. to then stumble on another Entelikea, uh and hurt them by accident. And like the one person that could have given you answers, it's like, yeah. it's such a great, like if you look at like Estelle as like this on this pilgrimage and the Entelikea as these gods that she's going and meeting, like it, it is like this very cool take on, on an odyssey, like on a mythological quest. It's really, really rad. It is. I could write a really. goddamn no- novel about this. Oh, we game. could. We could. <laughs> but, we could do an entire docu- documentary series. Yeah. Docu- documentary. <laughs> documentary that's, series. That's that's the right uh, emphasis on the correct syllables. Yeah, but, I think so. So apparently, a lot of you also on the internet really like Tales of Vesperia, also. So this is our uh, from around the web segment where you can tell us your favorite memories of the game of the week. Snake Eyes 707 from Reddit says, Something that I think separates JRPGs from other genres, the Tales games especially, are the quiet moments between characters. These are some of my favorite times in gaming, and for Vesperi in particular, two stand off right at the top of my head. One, the desert oasis and take after a certain victory the town celebrates with fireworks and the party is hanging out at the inn raven is exhausted on the floor after one of them uh exhausted on the floor after one of them mentioned judith i think that he had been playing with the kids two it's been a while since i've played the game but there was a scene i remember where there was a big group of npcs hanging out in the dining room of the zafius castle at night with this very serene music in the black background it was very relaxing <laughs> that's like right uh, right at the end of the second act of the game yeah my star seeker from reddit says i always love raven's death bleh. i always loved raven's desperate attempts to be cool in the eyes of the younger members of the group there are a ton of scenes where old man raven touches his chain touches his chin and flashes a grin at the kids reveling in the unconditional reveling in an unconditional feat of his only to be met with utter disinterest he then rapidly backpedals or explains himself to win back the attention and awe of those around him. The tales of series tend to be very heavy-handed in their themes, like the theme of lawful good versus unlawful good in the game. Yes. But Raven's need for the adoration of his, but Raven's need for adoration from his unconventional unconventional actions, despite having that very adoration in his past, albeit for being a good rule follower, lends itself to the more subtle storytelling of the genre, to the characters, the stories, and the backstories that aren't explained and make us wonder and theorize. Why was his old position not enough? Why would he rather be here? And why does the old goon keep trying? We may never know, but at least the kids will be alright. This It's good that uh, my Star Seeker brings up Raven, because I think Raven is like... Really good story. Lots of good twists Such and stuff. a phenomenal character, like he is another character very similar to to yuri like he 
it, no one really reminds me of Raven in any other video game. Like, I can't think of someone who really fits mm -hmm. what he has become. Like, the old soldier who died but was brought back to life kind of as a slave. Plays, yeah. plays both sides, but you don't know which side he really is playing. Uh, and it seems like he probably doesn't know either. Uh, but, like, then one of those sides of him dies, and he's just allowed to be the other side. And he finds this kind of existential freedom in that. And it, Like, the Raven at the end of the mm -hmm. game, and like where he's just kind of living for himself, and he's not really sure how to do it, is really interesting in such a awkward fun shift from the the raven at the beginning of the game that is like sullen because he's at the at the behest of a greater power you know like yeah it's he's so cool much character. more than the stereotypical kind of old pervy dude in the party mm -hmm. that they try and portray him uh, and it's it, as a couple of times especially once judith joins the party it's super weird that he like ends up filling that kind of trophy role of the group right mm -hmm. because like his his I, I would believe that that is a part of his character, but like yeah. it is so different than many other parts of his character. True. Uh, True. But he's he's great. Like I genuinely, mm -hmm. I genuinely adore that character. And what, again, yeah. the thing that makes that character even better for me, much like I've mentioned with some of my other favorites, which mm -hmm. spoilers, they're all my favorite. Uh, they're all my children. <laughs> um, is their relation? It's not just like, their relationship to the protagonist Yuri uh, and like that one in in of itself is great uh, and it's not just their character on alone it's like their individual mm -hmm. different relationships with all the other characters oh yeah like Carol and Raven's relationship is this kind of father-son intimate relationship yeah in, in a really different way than Yuri and Raven's relationship and then like in the definitive edition when Flynn joins the party he's like he looks up to to Raven because he's Captain Schwan you know spoilers yeah uh, um, <laughs> but uh, but be, but because he was a knight captain and, and because like he has some totally different relationship with Raven and, and Raven like yeah. tries not to play that part in front of him but like ends up playing it anyway it's really cool yeah it is very cool and lastly we have Mr. Linky XD from Reddit my best memory was when I finally synthesized Last Denver took me literally an entire day to grind the materials needed for it i remember trying the weather i remember trying the weather just would not want to switch for me at all then when it did and i started fighting the superstars they did not want to drop their gems so when i finally got to make the damn sword i actually cried a little because i had done it i feel that so much <laughs> <laughs> i yeah dude you are you're amongst friends i'm looking up uh what this sword is to make sure I know. But while you, while you do that, we will go on to... So, you listen to us talk about Tales of Vesperia. Maybe you haven't played it before. And you're really interested and want to play it. Well, where can you find it? Well, right now, it's a lot easier to find it than back when it was just on 360. Which you still can get, because I believe it is on the Xbox Live Store. It's not backwards compatible with Xbox One, though. So, you'd have to have an Xbox 360 to play it. Yep. But for a physical copy of the Xbox 360 version, it's it's not a rare game. Um, you can buy it pretty easily for pretty cheap on eBay. Prices on there range from anywhere between like five to like 20, 20 bucks or so. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Things have sold for like eight dollars, six dollars, twenty five. 
Um, 25 for a brand new factory seal. That's actually not too bad. Um, that's just for the base game. If you want the collector's edition, the special edition, it will cost you a bit more. Yeah. Um, upwards of about for a brand new sealed version, you're probably looking um, upwards of around 100. Damn. But if you want to play the complete definitive edition, you can find that pretty much anywhere right now. Um, Switch, at least digitally. It's on PS4, Xbox It's on One. Steam. It's on playstation store it's on the switch nintendo eShop. it's on the microsoft store is it you on can get a physical is it i thought it was I, i'm not sure it's on the pc okay well it's on the psn it's on microsoft and it's on the nintendo eShop. and if you want a physical copy right now as time of the recording you can get a brand new copy for around um 30 to 40 dollars depending on the platform brand new so very very it's, easy to uh it's on sale a lot, like digitally. Yes. So. Yes, it is definitely worth it. If you ever see it on sale, just like don't hesitate. If it's twenty bucks or less, honest to God, that's one hundred and ten hours and twenty bucks that you will love for the rest of your life. It's so good. It's so uh, good. And def- if you. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say it took me a long time to beat the definitive edition. I, yeah. I'm not the best sample size here, but it took me a long time. <laughs> but. If you are deciding you want to pick this up for the first time and see what all the hype is about, here are a couple tips for Alex and I to give to you to welcome you into the world of Terra Lumerace. For me, I suggest you turn off weaker spells once you weaker arts, excuse me, once you learn the higher level ones, especially with Rita and Estelle. Once you have better healing spells, healing arts, or um, elemental arts for Rita, um, I didn't do this until. Probably last year when I was replaying the series, I was like, "Why do I keep these low level stuff?" It's a pro on? strat. No point. This is a good. This is a good strat. <clears throat> Turn off the weaker ones and don't be afraid to de- use shortcuts. Yeah, tell them what to do. Use shortcuts. Tell tell your party member if like straight up like one of the greatest things you can do is because Estelle will never do this for you. See so in in your shortcut menu, you can map one of the other party members to do something to your right analog stick. Just mm-hmm. map recover, like the, the heal status <laughs> ailment spell, to up on the right stick. So that way, every time you get one of the billions of status ailments you'll get in this game, yeah. just hit right stick and she'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely do that. I also would recommend to not set one of the buffs to a shortcut. Don't... I would, I, I would usually run with them turned off completely. And only directly order the party members to cast those buffs when I want them. Mm, I never, I didn't use the buffs enough. So, but Alex, what what about you? What are some tips you'd give to new players? I wrote down a lot here, uh, and uh, like the, I'll, I'll focus on the, the bigger ones, right? Like um, the big thing is, so skills are, are really important. I think late game, mid to late game, right? Like the first act, which is about the first fifteen hours. Um, is you're probably not going to notice them that much. Like at the end of that act, you're going to start getting the good skills like void, void attack, void magic, things that will like protect you from getting interrupted while you're attacking, um, or add attacks to your combo. Uh, but like try and to, it'll help you progress instead of grinding for like experience and levels, just grind until you have all of the skills for your weapons and then you can move on. Uh, it'll it'll force you to grind enough, and you'll get synthesis materials in the area that you're on, that you're at, 
And the skills you're getting is based on the number of battles you're doing. So you know you're not going to go past like 50 battles. You're probably going to be doing 20 or so battles. You'll get a lot of experience, get a lot of money, you'll get a, get a lot of skills as well. And then if you're doing that as you progress through the game, just take a look at the games once you hit like like the skills once you hit the halfway point in the game. You'll see like each character has their own kinds of skills like repeat skills all make him run really really fast and that's what playing him is based on. Judas skills make her let her use her arts in air and jump while she's in the air. So she's like a very aerial character. Uh, and plus like her up attack, like if you hold up and attack with her, she straight up jumps and starts attacking. So like she is an aerial character, but like maybe you want to play a character that's really aerial. That's like Yuri, but in the air, that's Judith. You should try her out. Look at her skills and see what um, she's doing. And then like the last bit of like grinding wise stuff is some of those skills will change some of your arts. Uh, they will turn them into what are called altered arts, which you will kind of discover pretty much randomly once you get to the desert, which is about the 20-hour point in the game. Um, what you should just try and do is learn all the altered arts. You can learn an altered art by using it with that skill equipped uh, 100 times. And doing that, will again, it's going to help you grind. It's going to be something to do while you're grinding. You'll get a bunch of arts that you wouldn't get otherwise. And you just got to experiment, play around, see what uh, arts get altered by what skills. Uh, all the skills are the same for all the characters. It's like fire, hellfire and chain are the red ones and like dispersion and alembic or like something else uh, are the blue ones and alembic and gale are the, the green ones. So like just equip all of them on all your characters and just mess around <laughs> until you get all the arts. And it, it, that's fun. Like I think that's a cool way of like discovering new abilities that Mm -hmm. You will not get these otherwise. Like it, it'll at some point it'll tell you about them. Like a tutorial will pop up, but like you got to seek these out and learn them, and then you're gonna have a whole new aspect to your arsenal. Uh, and then my last tip is actually like a recommendation. I'll have Scott put in the show notes. There's a side quest guide. I mentioned it earlier. I use it every time I play this game. It's very non-spoilery. Like it's just like okay, once this story event happens, talk to this person, talk to this person, go here, do this. Uh, and it's so it's like just as you play through the game after every major story beat it'll have a list of things that you can do side quest wise and that'll progress through the whole game uh, there's a lot of them and they they flesh out the world in a great way you can use it on your first playthrough and see everything in this game which is perfect pretty rad awesome great great tips my friend great tips yeah sorry it was a little long in the tooth there but no you're good i think we've set up new players for uh for success which i think is good i hope so but before we end things we have to do monster or enemy of the week and for this week we have traitor to the heavens where that can be found in the labyrinth of memories or the coliseum city of nordopolica his hp is set to a pretty good size of 512,000 with 33800 tp his physical attack is 869 with physical defense nice. sitting at 950. Magic attack at 820, magic defense at 775, and agility at 520. Unfortunately, though, no drops, nothing to steal, just pride that you have vanquished the traitor. This is the uh, this, the original secret boss uh, of the of the original version of the game. There's a bunch more secret bosses in the definitive version. Some are like. Not like they won't mean anything if you hadn't played the game. 
Uh, but this one's really cool. It's uh, it's Kratos mm-hmm. from uh, Tales of Symphonia. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, Tales has some pretty cool cameo fights. Most of them do. This game all. has so many cameo fights. <laughs> like, go to that Coliseum and boot it up. You are going to fight pretty much everyone from every Tales game. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's, awesome. it's really cool, honestly. This one you have to work to get to. It's really cool, big cool fight. You get a special item when you beat it. I forget what it is, but uh, it is rad. And it it's a he's a fun boss to fight. By the time you get to him, he's really easy. That's the only thing. Uh, it's kind of a bummer because like the the dungeon leading into this fight is way harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's still fun. It's still worth seeing. And I do want to say the stats we gave are for the Labyrinth of Memories. When you fight him in the Labyrinth of Memories, his stats in the Nordopolical Coliseum are adjusted a bit. <laughs> so just to be aware. Well, that will do it for a discussion on, uh, on Tales of Vesperia. I want to thank our visiting headmaster, Mr. Alex O'Neill, for stopping in and uh, hanging out with us. It's a pleasure. This is this is the first episode, right? Yeah, it's uh, the first one. How's it feel, Scott? I'm I'm liking it. Yeah, I hope it. people. What do you think? I, I what do you think? I like it. It's it's cool. I would say like talking about like there's too much to talk about with Tales of Vesperia. It's the problem. There's just mm-hmm. too much good. But like talking about like really specific aspects of that game that are great that we both obviously feel the same mm-hmm. about because uh, we both love this game that was that's really good that was, that was fun yeah. to, to dig into the details i think if you have never heard of this game you'll you'll think it's crazy how deep this game sounds from the two of oh, us it's a deep deep rabbit hole <laughs> yes for sure but where can people find you on the interwebs uh i host another irrational passions podcast called the irrational passions podcast it's on uh on the iTunes, on your Spotify's, on your your Spotify, uh, podcast listening services of choice, uh, I host that with my good friends uh, Scott, Tony, and Nobshin, and some random editorial. Other person. Scott, other Scott, uh, Scott Guthier, uh, and uh, that's we record that every Saturday night. It's live; you can watch it as Ooh. it records live, and hang out and yell at me in the chat that I'm not paying enough attention to you. <laughs> um, and that's seven thirty PM Eastern time. Right. Usually. Usually we're live we're up and going by eight at the latest for the most part. Um and uh it comes out every Tuesday in podcast form. And I'm on Twitter, Alfighter twenty seven. I like to talk about JRPGs. I like a lot. I will most certainly be back on this show. Uh it was oh, an yeah. honor to be on the first episode though. Um if I if I know how to do one thing, Scott, it's podcast. So See, that's why I needed you on here. I showed up. I'm always here to talk about Tales of yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, thanks for having me on. This is this is very exciting. I wish you yeah. the most of luck in the, oh, the coming well, episodes. Well, well, thank you very much, sir. And for everyone else, you can find me, Professor RPG, aka Scott White, on Twitter at SolidSnake120. You can find me occasionally taking over our uh, our Twitch channel that you can find at twitch.tv slash irrational passions. You can find my Professor RPG primers and guides and all sorts of stuff. In other articles on irrationalpassions.com, the home to irrational passions. Check out youtube.com slash irrational passions for a bunch of good video content goodness. We're also on a bunch of podcast services, so we'll be sure to uh, check those out. I think we're we got stuff on iTunes and the app app where where are podcasts? <laughs> the uh, the podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, the works, the usuals. There you go. You can also find me hosting Video Game Book Club, which we are going to be, we are still slugging through 
Sonic 06. But until next time, everybody, have a good one. Class dismissed.